that is a lot of what I do is making sure that you don't shy away from bragging about yourself. Now, look, there's a very, very fine line between arrogance and confidence and really being proud of your accomplishments. But I would never follow you on that. I'd be like, hell yeah, this is what you did. Like, that makes you insanely reputable and credible. And all it takes is for me to listen to you moderate a room for 10 or 15 minutes to know that you're not full of shit. Good morning. Welcome to Grounded Content. If you're new to the show, this is a place to learn strategy and tactics from the best thinkers in marketing, branding, and messaging. But all of that based around the idea that you can be tactical and effective and at the same time grounded and honest. Today, personal branding pro Rich Cardona talks about how he helps executives and business leaders have the impact they want on social media and video. We talk about what makes the best podcast pitch, the power of curiosity, and why so many people think they need to hold on to information instead of sharing it. Before we start, one little tip about that. Think about it this way. When the big studios are promoting movies, do they save the best jokes or the most exciting action sequences and keep them out of the promo? No, they put their best stuff in the promo because that's the best way to get you into the theater or buying a ticket or downloading the movie. This is a great conversation, so get ready to dig into things with Rich Cardona. And if you enjoy the show, please tell a few friends about it and let's spread the word. The first thing I want to talk about is how we met and how we became friends. We were introduced by a mutual friend, Chris Irving, who's a great guy. And you know, when you meet somebody new who gets introduced, even from a trusted friend, you know that there's like the thinking of how you might be mutually beneficial in terms of business. What does that really mean? And what is this person really looking for? And you and I had a phone call and we got along great, seemed to have really similar perspective. And then we ran into each other in a clubhouse room. And I want you to tell that story. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, here's the first thing on that first call, I'll never forget. I was like, wow, I was blown away by so much of your experience. I mean, I seen it, but I was like, okay. And you're like, keep me updated on your progress. And I was like, you give a shit? I was like, thank you. You know, like that was really, really cool for me because no one has to say that. And I literally knew you meant it. The other part is, yeah, so we're on Clubhouse. I was in a podcast room. You were in a podcast room and kind of just like watching. And there was monetization talk going. And one of the mods was just talking about this unbelievably ridiculous scam, in my opinion. And I think one of the things was I tell the guests if they want their podcast episode with me to be up longer than 60 days, they have to pay me however much or something. I was like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I was like, this is out of I couldn't believe it. And then I was just listening to this. And, you know, of course, you go and look these people up. And I'm just like, never impressed usually. And I saw you in there and I'm texting. I was like, are you hearing this? And (laughs) and then you wrote back. And apparently that took the cool meter up for me for you. And I was just like, yeah, we're aligned. We're, we're, We're soul sister and brother. For sure. Yeah, your reaction to that, right? Because it's one thing when somebody says, hey, what do you think about this? And you're like, oh, I think that's wrong. But it's another thing to actually note it, call it out, and be the one to actively be like, what is this? There was all kinds of baloney in there. So what I love is you've been doing such a good job in your messaging lately. You really seem comfortable with yourself, but it's really useful information for people about That thing that I believe can be valuable, that mix of strategy and authenticity, right? Authenticity Mm -hmm. is an overused word. I hear you. But I believe people can be real. They can be grounded. They can be truthful. 
and super effective. And yes. I think that's where we found alignment. I'd like to start, though, by talking about how you got into this business at all. You know, it's funny. Every time I think about it, it just brings me directly back emotionally to what a just deadbeat, pretty much dad I was and husband because I was obsessive about working at a place where I was trying to get promoted, where I actually never even wanted to get to like the next level and the next level above that. So I had 17 years in the Marine Corps. I had a retirement. I had an MBA from a private institution, a well-known one. I had a good network. I was all over LinkedIn. And then I had this cheesy sales job. Then I asked about a job, and I'm just going to say it's Amazon, who I had originally declined an offer, but you know, I didn't want to continue doing what I was doing. So I was like, I took it, went to Amazon. What kind of work was it? Operation. I was in a warehouse, a distribution center. So, you know, long story short, I only lasted two years. And the reason is I found this guy who, you know, who I know, his name's Gary Vaynerchuk. And I was like, who the hell is this dude? I was sitting there like drinking one night and I came across him on Facebook. I was like, what an idiot. Then I kept watching. Then I kept watching. And then there's this one specific rant he had in Austin where I was, where he talks about, it doesn't matter what they think, you know, just over and over, he kept saying it. And I was just like, like I could walk away from this. And I did exactly that. But the problem was I didn't know what I wanted. So <laughs> at all, I just kind of looked into my curiosities. I started with photography because I took thousands of pictures on this two month trip. We went to Europe when I retired and I was just like, this is a little out of control. I think you need to get struck by lightning to make really good content in terms of like pictures to really make it. And I was like, I don't even know if that's what I want to do. I started doing some video, had no idea what I was doing that much either. And then I started talking to mentors of mine who I felt like had no social media content. And one of them happened to be Gary's right-hand woman, Claude Silvers. I went up to New York. I got on the train. I asked her if she'd allow me to like vlog for her. And before I could finish, she's like, I trust you. I was kind of like, oh, man, like that was such a risk. I wasn't even sure she was going to say yes. So that's how I kind of started. And I started creating content for executives because I believe and we obviously were aligned on this, that some people operate behind the curtain and sometimes they like that. But sometimes they just don't realize how powerful their voice could be if it's kind of sent out across the airwaves and on video and on social to other people. And these people inspired me. So how could I show my gratitude is to help inspire others through them and getting their story. So that's where we landed. And that's where the business is now. So you obviously have a sense of the stories that need to be told. Where do you think that came from? Yeah. So aside from not knowing anything in those areas, I just have a curiosity. Like people inspire me and I like to have conversations. That's good enough, right? Like that's good enough to start. Like you can take two steps with that and then kind of see where it takes you. Doesn't mean you're going to do interviews and then you transcribe them or video them or podcasts, whatever. But here's what I do know. I've been on many podcasts and I've interviewed many people where they're like, no one's ever asked me that before. And I'm like, good, because I don't want to ask you what everyone's asked you. I'm deeply curious. And here's the thing. And you know this about podcasting. Like there's ROI that you can't measure. And some of that ROI is how much you learn while conducting that podcast. Like, hello, like you cannot sit here and tell me on grounded content that you haven't learned from all your guests in some way, shape or form. Oh my God, so much. And Spartan Up, like for everything. Like I learned so much. It's invaluable. So it's like, I'm not only growing myself, but I'm making sure that information gets to audiences as well. 
So the curiosity, and then obviously the other thing is like you and I, I mean, we're pretty selective. Like I want to know these people. It's usually people that I am aspiring to get to in a certain level. It might not be the same industry, might not be the same anything, money or anything like that, but something about what they've done has demonstrated success over a long period of time. And maybe some of it was nothing took off after 10 years. And those are the stories I like the best. Like Joe always talks about it, right? Like, I mean, it's how long it took. That is so inspiring to me. And I know so many people need to hear it. So let me ask you about this, because one of the things you said was you said you started kind of discovering these people that were behind the curtain. And what do you think is the biggest thing that stops those people from getting in front of the camera, in front of the mic? And why should they? They don't believe they need to be. And I think that assumption is just because, number one, like, who wants to hear what I have to say? And number two is, like, my role as a CFO is to make sure the money's right. My role as a CTO is to make sure everything's functioning and that our IT is up to speed or whatever. But what they don't realize is that our people are online everywhere that are thirsty to be educated on all these things. There's an article I read recently that talks about the shift. Like, it's no longer about people want to know your why. People want to know how to. And there's a lot of ways to do that, right? But let's just say you're at a company. Let's just say Marion is at this tech company, and she's explaining e-commerce and how to break into Amazon. Who knows what? Like, this is how you're going to do your thing. So what Marion can do is help people kind of get started. But more importantly, as someone who consumes the content, I can be like, I wonder what everyone else is like at that company. That's a talent magnet, right? Like that says a lot about the company when the people in their organization are putting out value-added content. That is like an unbelievable recruiting tool, in my opinion. And the other aspect is simply like, it's just the right thing to do. Like, why do you have to hold it in? And this is actually really personal. I've never said this. When I was an aviator, I struggled. Like I totally struggled. I was overwhelmed by how much you had to read and practice. And and it was just like crazy. But some of the senior instructors, I believed, hated remembering that they were once in our shoes. And because of that, they didn't help. Like they never were really empathetic. They're just like, figure the fuck out, you know, kind of thing. And I mean, like that's a Marine Corps and I get it. But you know, the people that left the biggest impression on me were like, I've done it a million times. Here's what you do. And I was like, I'll never forget those people. So you always remember someone who teaches you something, especially if it's anything that you're remotely interested in. I mean, there's random things we learn and then there's things that I could learn from you tomorrow and be like, like, and I will keep coming back because you did me right. And I will feel indebted to you to do something for you. So that's actually like one of the biggest hurdles I feel like is this idea of giving too much away. So you've just explained the benefit like to you as the learner. What about people who are afraid of giving too much away? Like maybe they feel that information is power and they don't want to hand over that power. Well, that's where you, who's running a mile a day, who loves videography, who has a passion, who has a podcast, who's a creative, stand out to me from other people who I know do the same thing. If you don't let people actually get to know you, then that's literally the differentiator. Every product, every service that exists out there is going to be pretty repeatable in some way, shape, or form. And people are going to try and do it for more expensive prices. People are going to try and do it cheaper. People are going to try and do it faster. You're literally always going to have someone in the periphery that kind of does what you do. And what is a differentiator? You. 
So if I see you on social media, you're going to stick out to me more than company whoever who does nothing and expects me to somehow land on their website because they invested $50,000 on it. Like the difference is the person. So this is where what you mentioned in the beginning comes true. It's not only the experience and the knowledge, but the personality and the authenticity. Like people who try to hoard, what is their fear? Like, are they afraid they're going to give away the secret sauce? Are they afraid that they're devaluing the company by giving away free information? Yes, all of those, right? I mean, all of those. But haven't you ever had those fears? Yeah, I mean, I certainly have. And I'm getting over them little by little, you know, especially in the testimonials. I'm really big on trying to collect testimonials. Like, it's always like, Rich was really easy to work with and this and this and this and blah, 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 blah. Like, but they don't mention the standard things, which is it looked great. Because a lot of people can make it look great, right? Like he really put me at ease or he asked off provoking questions. That's something that someone's going to hear. That's a difference between a company who's just going to go and produce some videos. So, so yes, I have feared about it, especially like LinkedIn knowledge. But you know what? There's plenty of people giving it away for free. So, you know, if people want access to a person, that's where the premium is. That's really what it is. Yeah, that's so interesting. So how do you help someone figure out? I'm sure you go to these people who are not used to packaging up their message. How do you help someone come up with their 10 video tips or their 10 pieces of content? How do you identify what's useful strategically? And how do you identify what they're going to be comfortable talking about? What's that whole process like? I I mean, I just ask a ton of questions. Like, when was the first time you failed? When was the first time you had a massive win? Why did you pivot to this industry? Tell me about your worst experience with the leader. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, it's literally an innate quality. I'm just curious. And then I make sure that I understand going into it, like, what are the three things that they like to talk about and that they could talk about with their eyes closed, okay? And, like, not something they're trying to force. So if someone came and wanted to be on the podcast and they're new into NFTs, like, I'm not going to have them on unless they've been obsessed with, you know, Bippy or whatever his name is for years, right? So... I ask a ton of questions. And as I'm asking these questions, nothing's being recorded. There's no cameras around. I'm writing down everything. And by the end of that hour call, we usually have like 40 questions that we email them and be like, here's what I took away. And here's the stuff you're going to talk about. And a lot of it is stuff they've never talked about because no one's asking them these things. There's no catalyst that makes them put this out there. So that's number one. And then the second thing is, and then eventually we show up and we record, we'll do one shoot for a few hours and that'll be about three months worth of content. Now, look, what if they're not great on camera? That's the other thing. Like I now know I don't need to be behind the camera that I could hire someone to do that, that I need to be kind of producing and directing and reassuring and all that. other. And you know this super, super well. But if people are not so great, it's really easy to kind of give them tips. What I notice the most of people is they try and pad the point. Meaning if you ask me straight up about podcasting, I'll do it. And then I'll be like, and you know, you could always, and it's just like, dude, stop. You you already hit it. That is so, so a hundred percent right on. So right on. Oh God. It's like crazy. I'm like, we're two minutes in now. Like this is supposed to be 45 seconds. So short, choppy, good, hard hitting clips is what we want to do. And that's how we do it. Okay. So first of all, totally agree. Like, I think people think that they have to say more to sound smarter. The other one I think that I see all the time is they end on a question mark because they're looking to you to see if they did it right. Yes. But they end up sounding like they're not sure about what they're saying. But what do you do in the moment when somebody just can't get out of their own way? So I 
just recently went to New York and I did a filming with a woman and she was on fire for the first 30 seconds of every clip. And the last 15 seconds, she's just like, what am I saying? This is stupid. And I'm like, and I'm just like, let's just call her Tina. I'm like, Tina, I'm like, everything you said, I was like dialed in. I wasn't even looking through the lens. I was looking at you. I was like, this is really good. And then I was like, and then for whatever reason, you felt like you ran out. So in those moments, I tell them everything that was great. And then I say, look, Tina, okay, you're in finance. When you were a young financial analyst, you know, what was one of the most common problems you had? And she'll mention it to me. And I'll be like, is that still a problem now for people? She's like, yeah, of course. And I'll be like, okay. And that's what you're trying to help, right? Right. So think of Sarah, who just graduated from NYU and is going to this big firm and who's, who's scared out of her mind about all these career progression mistakes. And I was like, think of her. When you, when you look in the lens, think of her. Don't think of this imaginary Madison Square Garden-sized group of people that are going to be consuming your content because that's not going to happen. <laughs> like A fraction of anything you ever put out on the internet is actually going to get watched. You are doing this because you have a message to convey and it's going to take repetition after repetition after repetition. So that usually helps snap them out of it. And the other thing is, look, like we can re-record as much as you want, but I don't do it just because if they think it wasn't good and I'm like, that was nailed, I, I'm like, no. I was like, we're moving on because then you get in the kind of perfectionism thing. I really, really want them to be relaxed and think that they're on the other side of a coffee table, having coffee with a prospect or a client or a mentor or a mentee or anything like that. And that usually really helps them snap out of it because they know, wait a second, not a ton of people are going to see this. And it's all in my head. It's so interesting because one of the things that I feel like people don't realize is how many takes the pros do. I mean, the more professional people that I work with, the more takes they're doing to get it right. And new people are like, I had to do it twice. I must have done it wrong. So Can I make, I want to make yeah. one comment on this. I have to mention this. So Jocko Willink is a client and I went to film him. And it's so funny because I like to get stuff all over, like on location, change shirts and all this other stuff. So we're, we're up in his podcast studio. I'm like, you know, we could do a few here, change. And we go, he's like, no. It's like, we're going to do it right here. <laughs> and I'm like, noted. So we sit down and look, these things usually take three to four hours. So I'm like, we got the whole time blocked off. We did, I think, 48 clips in like 75 minutes. It was unbelievable to work with a professional like that. And trust me, some of the things he might have been asked before, but I did a ton of research on social and what's trending and it was just masterful. I couldn't not share that experience because you can hone your message. There's no way he would have been like that day one after getting out of the Navy, period. It takes practice, but he was on fire. He looked at the camera, he paused. And here's the other thing. If you're ever in this situation, you don't have to redo the whole take. If you screw up and you flip, just stop. If you flub over your words, just start on the last sentence you remember. And that's going to save you and the editor a ton of trouble. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Trust the editor. That's one of my favorites. So you kind of hinted at it when you were talking about Jocko and you said you had done some research into what was trending. And that was going to be my next question, right? So you go to your client and you figure out what they are good at talking about. How do you balance what they are good at talking about, their own personal stories versus kind of the strategy and being tactical and strategic to make sure that they're attracting the right audience, that it's going to actually achieve the goals that they have for their business. 
hundred percent. So one thing for them to talk about the things that they can talk about and personal stuff as well. But it's another thing to make sure you're talking about what's getting talked about in the marketplace. So we use a couple of software tools and we'll go scrape and be like, okay, like, let's just use entrepreneurship as an example. Like what is trending right now in entrepreneurship? And, and we'll look at that. And let's say the other theme of that person was they were in the military. So we go to military transition, we scrape, you know, all social media and we look for what's trending. And we even go to Quora sometimes and be like, okay, like what questions are being asked about this, this, and this? If questions exist out there already and you're answering them, you know, kind of almost real time or over the course of a month with all this great content, then people remember that. People will remember that. It's like, oh my God, that's like so important right now. So for example, if let's just say taxi is like, right, well, we just got an extension for May. So it would make a ton of sense for CPAs right now to be making a ton of content. Like here's the three biggest mistakes everyone makes, or here's the change because of the stimulus check. If it's relevant and it's pertinent and people consume it, then you are literally adding value at the outset and people will remember that and they'll be like, follow. Like they don't forget. So it's really, really important to do that research. So how do you balance like you'll go and you'll shoot three months of content. And I know a lot of especially corporate social media teams, they want to plan. They have their social media calendar. They've got it planned out three months in advance. How do you balance opportunities for serendipity, opportunities for timely events, for like you were saying, trending things. Do you go back if something's happening? How do you handle flexibility and balancing that with structure? Show me what you've been doing and let's see if it's been working because your company's probably super boring unless you're like Spartan or something, right? Like, well, show me what's been working and what's not working. Show me the best piece of content that came out and why you haven't done more of that. So, you know, the balance is by making people realize, and you and I are big on this, that we are all whole persons, right? Like it's not just about what's happening in the industry. It's not just about what's trending. It's also about when I was let go from my last job unexpectedly before COVID, I was so confused as to what was it about me or my performance that landed me in a situation like that. And now that I am at Rich Cardona Media, like I realize I never should have been there in the first place. Like those stories matter, right? So we are all whole people. So the serendipity of a great story, the personal stories, and then your industry expertise are all kind of in a way have to be intertwined to deliver good, consistent stories. Look, I could never just talk about LinkedIn all day because you would be like, yeah, Rich is cool. He's the LinkedIn guy. It's like, maybe I want to be known for that, but you wouldn't really connect with me in this way. So it's really, really important to make sure that organizations understand that the people in the company, the leaders in the company are more interesting than the company itself, which is why Joe has content, which is why you have content, because you know what the hell's going on. You just know how to butter me up. This is like, this is the (laughs) thing about it. I have all these podcast guests on and they all just, they have to say nice things about me. And I, that's really, (laughs) that's really why I do it, right? Just to get all the compliments. So what is the biggest thing that people get wrong? I mean, I had you come and speak at a podcasting event and you spoke to podcasters about how they expand their message. And I know you had some really good advice there. But so people who are trying to grow an audience, what are they getting wrong? I've been thinking about this so much lately, and I think I wrote about it as well. People get wrong that it is not sustainable if you don't actually care about it. If it is a means to an end or a stepping stone or whatever, you will and can fall out of love with the amount of effort you put forward for it 
because it's just going to fizzle. If you don't love it, you will never like making content about it long term. You can summon up your patience and and have some energy for a quarter, you know, three months or six months. What if you have to? I mean, like, what if that is your business and you have to make content about something that isn't interesting to you? Well, then find the right person, I I guess. And what I mean is there's probably someone better in the organization. I just think you have to find the right person. Like, it doesn't have to be you. Like, trust me, it doesn't need to be the CEOs on camera when I film. It could be someone else. It could be a VP. It doesn't matter. But there's probably someone who could be a little bit more charismatic or really, really just enthusiastic about delivering information. If not, if not, I think someone like you or me can see right through it. And actually, I don't mean someone like you or me. I think people can just see right through it. I know what stiffness looks like. I know what Marion's most official Marion looks like. Actually, no, I don't, which is a good thing. But it's too easy. It's too easy to kind of see through it. And you know what? No one resonates with perfection. So put out that shitty video instead and see what happens. So this is interesting for me. And I always, you know, I have to bring my personal experience to these things. I've been doing this a long time, whatever it is I do, right? And I like to think that just being myself is the way to go. But at least early in my career, I can't tell you how many times I delivered a product to the client and they said to me, wow, this is really professional. And I was like, well, what did you think you were going to get? So clearly, me being me was not selling the service that I thought it was selling. How do you work with people to help them be themselves and at the same time present the image that they need to present to be successful? That who they are plus the sort of the aspirational. <laughs> That is so interesting. I've certainly never been asked that before. I am trying. Here's here's what I'll say. I've been I've been being on this as well. I've been really trying to remember that anytime someone disappoints me or pisses me off or frustrates me, that there's probably good intent behind it. So in your scenario, for example, they didn't know what to expect. It doesn't matter what you showed them. They were probably self-conscious of how they were going to come out. Not necessarily that it was going to be a professional product. So I try and assume positive intent and just be like, look, they mean well, and and let's get over it in that regard. But the goal for me is less of the product. And I know that sounds awful. I want to give them the best possible product. But the goal is, and, and this is going to sound so cliche, but just to make sure they had a good time doing it. Because if you had a good time, to me, for business, that's a good thing, right? Like that increases the likelihood that you're going to revisit me in six weeks and be like, let's do it again. But I think expectation management is just really interesting. And I don't want to say how I lower expectations. I just temper them. I expect to hear something that I didn't expect to hear. And that always kind of level sets it for me. (laughs) So I'm not disappointed or sad or anything like that. What makes you crazy? Like, I mean, for example, that clubhouse room we went to, I mean, you are an actual expert on LinkedIn. You do really well. You share great content. You're doing this personal branding stuff. This is a space full of bullshit. Yes. What makes you crazy? What's the crazy bullshit that you're hearing? It's so much of what you see on clubhouse, especially clubhouse right now with all the coaches, with all the millionaire rooms, it is all completely and utterly catering to our 
human nature of being impatient. And that drives me crazy. But it works, right? I mean, all these people are doing it because it works. What do you tell people? I, I say, like, look where are the case studies? Where are the like inordinate amount of case studies? You know who's you know Pat Flynn? Do you know yeah. Pat Flynn? Yeah. Like he's an amazing guy. I sat on a webinar. I have no reason to sit on a webinar during a workday, right? I sat in a webinar of his yesterday. And it was like unbelievable. It was so good. And I was just like, and I wrote in the comments and he saw it. I was like, I never regret coming into these things. And that's how you build an audience over time, over time and over time and over time. It was never just like that. He's one of those people who's never afraid to give as much as he can away. So my friend, Matt, who will be, I believe, published the week before this one. Okay. He called me out. So I got into Clubhouse. And I was just, you know, like when you get into a new platform, you're kind of like dipping your toe in, you're trying things out and seeing what works. And you have to kind of measure the response and you figure out like, what do you put in a bio and what kind of picture works and how do you pitch yourself? Right. Yeah. And so I was playing, redoing the bio, redoing the bio a bunch of times. I go into a bunch of rooms and nobody gives a shit. Right. Yeah. 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 So I start messing around and I go ahead and I change up things and I put in, some of the names of the guests we've had yeah, yeah, yeah. on the show. Yep. And I put in some of the numbers and all of a sudden the response is completely different, completely different. And then my friend Matt calls me on. He's like, what is this bullshit? Like, what do you have? Like, you look like all of those and he used a word I don't even want to use. And I changed it back. I was like, what am I doing? But oh, I can't but wait to look. <laughs> well, now it's like normal. Now it's just like, whatever. Yeah. But you missed the brief window of me trying to play that game. But the response was different, right? It worked. What's your answer to that? The best marketing is proof. Like, that's proof. I actually would not think less of you for doing that because you know what? That is a lot of what I do is making sure that you don't shy away from bragging about yourself. Now, look, there's a very, very fine line between arrogance and confidence and really being proud of your accomplishments. But I wouldn't never fault you on that. I'd be like, hell yeah, this is what you did. Like, that makes you insanely reputable and credible. And all it takes is for me to listen to you moderate a room for 10 or 15 minutes to know that you're not full of shit. You know what I mean? Like, I know that I will kind of pull tighter on your strings and, and be like, I'm going to follow her. And I also know when someone says, make sure you DM me for that 15% off, whatever, whatever, and I'll get you that ebook or whatever. You know, like, I'm like, I'm out. Like I'm out, like I knew from the beginning of you starting this room, it was complete nonsense. So we don't need to be shy about it. Now, look, I actually come from an organization, obviously, the Marine Corps and, and, and a lot of people that you know come from the military. Like it's super odd to talk about ourselves, like because it's all about the team. Like I had never talked about myself. I would always talk about my squadron, right? You know what I mean? Like the brand of the Marine Corps is unbelievable. It's like Marines, Marines, like we're so tight brothers and sisters, right? But on outside, I learned when I was getting a job, in, although it was incredibly uncomfortable, that it was such a detriment to be like, we did this, we did this. Like, it's the same thing here. If you want to build a brand, if you really want to build a brand, I do think you have to cross the Rubicon on that feeling indulgent kind of thing. And you need to be completely okay with it because you want visibility. And the reason you want visibility is because you want to help more people. All right. And if you want to help more people, then that's the kind of weird shit that you're going to have to do, no matter how uncomfortable. If you have a podcast, 
You're going to have to do that. You think I like posting podcast clips on LinkedIn? I hate it. But I need to know that I'm putting something out there so people could consume it. And it might be That's interesting because to me, I love posting podcast clips uh, because I love the conversation. I'm like, this is so interesting. Everybody uh, should hear this. This is great, right? I love it. But saying like, I had this big name and that big name on my show and then have, you know, I don't know, that creeped me out. But you know what? I think this is why I love having these conversations because one week I'm talking to Matt who's saying like, this is ridiculous. And then the next week I'm talking to you who's saying like, no, actually it's not so ridiculous because it works. And I think like the important thing is- Yeah. Let me ask you this. This is so not salesy. This is straight curiosity. Like what do you have to gain- by making sure your profile is a little bit more vanilla and what you want? Well, so what I want, I, I couldn't say. Like, I honestly don't care that much what's in the profile. It's kind of like dialing into what the perception it creates is. And I think his point was kind of like, actually, it feels kind of desperate if you're throwing all these names and big numbers out there and the perception is maybe that you're a little bit less qualified. And what I was seeing was that sort of very immediate, like, okay, you know, here's a big name associated with her name. Check the box. I got to go see more. I think they're both true. And I think why I love talking about this stuff is there's these fine lines between persuasion and manipulation, right? Yes. That are everything. And I think we all have to kind of like dance around those lines if we want to be effective. This is literally all about being comfortable in your own skin and self-awareness. Like you easily could have said to your friend, Matt, like, no, I don't think so. You could have literally not even dwelled on it for another second and be like, <laughs> I know. Right. I, and, and just been like, I know I'm not, you know, some of these douches that are on that platform. That's like, exactly the word he used. Like, and I had to have my editor use to edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many, right? And you don't want to be lumped in. But I mean, it's really interesting. Like there's no way, there's no way there's any author who's ever been a Wall Street Journal bestseller or New York Times bestseller is not going to put that on their book. Like, dude, like some, of the accolades, some of the accolades matter. Some of the accolades yeah. matter. And I mean, right. if that is the difference between someone taking you seriously or not, then cool. Because you know what? You know how much rejection there is every day? Like, we're afraid of being rejected. But think of how often we reject people. How many emails do you delete a day? How many unfollows do you do a day? Like, give me a break. Like, we all do it. So it's like, if people decide to follow you because of some of these names or because of some of your accolades, and then they realize you're not for them, cool. See you later. We do it to each other all day, every day. There's no difference. They will make up their own mind. So I don't think it's a bad thing. So first of all, this is why you do what you do. We've been doing this whole interview and we're talking about like philosophy and tips and blah, blah, blah. But as soon as you were engaging on helping me right? One-on-one, you got so excited and wound up and energetic. And like, all of a sudden this conversation got so good. So this is why you do what you do, right? So I get a lot of pitches. I get a lot of pitches every day. And the ones that come in and say, I've had so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so on my show. I have X million, whatever. I'm like, whatever. I, I don't care. Now, numbers I care about. I do care secondary. So if you're interesting, then I want to see the size of your audience. I do care about that. It's a legitimate piece of data. 
But if the first thing you're throwing my way is that you had Gary Vaynerchuk on your show, or you had Tim Ferriss on your show, or you had whoever, like, they've been on a lot of freaking shows. Yeah. Like, that's not who you are. I don't care. This is really, I get it. I'm so glad you said this, because I do what you don't like, because I need to make sure. <laughs> I need to, and, and I the reason this. is, especially, I love this <laughs> but I do that especially. Especially, let's just say I wanted to have Lou's house. I'm going to have him on one day. Like, I guarantee. Like, it's not a matter of if, it's it's when. Like, I, I know it's going to happen. But if I know that I've interviewed five of the same people he's interviewed, then that might give him a little bit more respect, and it might give him the ability to read the rest of the email. I don't like doing it. Why do you want to have Lou's house on? Why? Yeah. I heard him on a podcast. I, I've never really been big into him, but I heard him on a podcast and I actually really enjoyed what he had to say. But if I emailed you, Marion, and I was pitching you, how would you prefer it to be? So the truth is that what happened worked great, right? A trusted friend said, hey, this is a guy that I think you should connect with, right? That's the best. Yes. That is the best. Now you yeah. don't always have that option. So if you were pitching me and you wanted to be on my show, not my personal show, but, you know, Spartan Up, and we've got a big audience and we get those pitches every day, I would want it to be short. I would want it to be personal. I would want it to be clear that you knew what the show was about and what value you could bring. So it would be like, hey, Marion, I'm Rich Cardona. Here's what your show is in my mind, right? You guys talk about resilience. You talk about mindset. You talk about whatever. Here's the unique experience that I have that relates to that and the unique information that would be valuable to your audience. And then I would want to see like, hey, here's a link to an interview that I think will give you a taste of what I'm like. And I would look at that and I'd be like, hmm, yeah, you know, I think our audience might like that. And then I'd go click the link and I'd listen. And I'd say like, yeah, the energy, the personality, that seems like you'd be a good fit. And then I would go and I would check your social media platforms. I would see if they were in line with that. I would look, if you had like six followers, I might be like, hmm, what's that all about? Wouldn't necessarily rule you out because sometimes the people with less other places to be found are gold for your podcast if they're the only place to find them. But I would want to know what that story was if you didn't have a big following. I mean, if it was an outrageously small following, I would want to understand why. Like, okay, you just like have an aversion to Instagram and you haven't been there ever. You know, and I would check your other platforms and I would just see like, are you active? What are you doing in other places? But that would be the pitch that would work on me. Really, really interesting. Really, really. It has worked on me. I, I don't disagree. I wish that was the easier approach and you would be considered a gatekeeper essentially, right? If I knew that's what you wanted, that would make it easier. But I don't think a lot of people are like you. I think it's the opposite. So if I were pitching you, instead of saying, here's everyone I've had on, I would say, hey, Marion, like, I understand it's all about resilience. And you know what? Let me talk to you about how transitioning out of the military completely flipped my life upside down. And I realized that never in a million years, never even in my family, I observed anyone who had their own business. I didn't even think it was a possibility. But now I know that 25% of veterans want to start their own businesses, but only 2% do. And I'm 38, or I'm now 40 years old. And this is what I want to do. And this is why I have this show. I think I could really add value. Like that hopefully would resonate. You, you want me to be brutal? Are, I'll be brutal. And I'll be like, you know, too much. I don't, I don't care. I want to know. 
yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. what you do for my audience. I don't know what you're going to do for my audience. And so some people, like if it's Shea Eskew, the guy who was burned as a child and lost his, you know, like it would be a little bit about his story. But if you're an expert, it's a little bit about that information, that value that you're going to give my audience that nobody else can. Ah, you're, this is so interesting. <laughs> and I think, what is the podcast host or the producer or the gatekeeper? What do they want? And for some of them, the value for the audience is going to be like, you have a huge audience and you're going to help me grow my podcast, which by the way, is not really the way that works, but that's okay. But whatever that is, right? What do they want? What does the gatekeeper want? And so in my case, what I want is a great guest that's going to contribute value to the audience. I also want somebody that's going to vibe well with the host. Like if their chemistry just isn't going to work, it's difficult. But I, don't, I think that's pretty universal. This is so, I, I can't even believe, I, I had no idea we we're going to get here. You know, what's really interesting is I get pitched all the time as well. And it actually drives me nuts when they're like, well, number one, if it's coming from someone that works for the person and I get to that all the time and they're just like, let's just say Oscar, Oscar, hi, we've watched or we've listened to the leadership locker. We love the episode with so-and-so. We think we could add value to the show. And there's like five bullets. Like you can talk about these things specifically. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. Like, I don't know if I'm going to vibe with you off of that. The format's right, but the information's bullshit. You can tell when somebody's just doing a form and they say, I listened to the such and such episode. And you know very well that like, they don't get you. They don't get what you're about. So what's the pitch that works for you? Oh man, there's not a lot. That's, this is really funny because I finally, after all this time, I've started to garner an audience and I'm starting to get pitched a lot. I like to seek out the people. That's so selfish. This is so crazy. You've identified me on your podcast as a selfish person because I like to leave it up to me. That's why you have a good podcast. I mean, it would be ridiculous to not leave it up to you. Like, why would you have a podcast if you weren't the one deciding what the content was and who was on it? It's not selfish. That's how you curate for your audience. You know what would work? I'm, this is completely hypothetical. If the person who wanted to be on actually sent me a message themselves, you know what I mean? Like, literally, like, you're that big and bad. Show me you're not by coming on my level, sending me a voice message on Insta or LinkedIn. Be like, Rich, love to connect. Let's get to know each other. I think maybe down the road, you know, I could be on the podcast and add value, but like, let's just get to know each other, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you know, whatever. Like, I'm so unbelievably casual. That is how the podcast has to be for me. Or else I'm going to, you said it when you were on mine, you know, when it's boring and dude, I cannot do some structured, boring podcast about exactly what you want to talk about. Like, cause I'm going to take it in a million different directions like this. This is why I'm I know, enjoying this. this. Is like, I, I know I'm like, do I edit out the whole first half where we're like, yeah, it's good information, but like, it wasn't fun. <laughs> like this is fun now. This is a perfect opportunity to share something with your audience. So what I like to do is. I like to add value by like talking to the people around the person. Right. And it's not simply strategic. It's like, what can I do? Like Gary changed my life. So what can I do? I could interview a CFO. I could interview a COO. I can interview Claude. I can make content for her and whatever. What else can you do? If you really want to pitch to be on someone's podcast, I'm going to tell you something that nobody does. Number one, obviously tighten up your pitch. Send a screenshot of your review for their podcast. Oh, that's another like, bullshit tactic. Come no on. No way. I think it's great. Like, it's like, look, I actually listened and took the time. That's so funny. We disagree on that. But I think it's a good thing. I do think it's a good thing and be like, oh, yeah, and here's your book. 
Because I get them from the PR services. I get them from the PR services that like, we've reviewed your podcast. And it's like this, what's, oh. what's that persuasion technique? It's reciprocity, if you, yes. you know? And it's yeah, like- Yeah, reading a book about that's called, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, the Cialdini yeah, guy, book. Robert, Dr. Robert Cialdini. Robert Cialdini, yeah. Yeah, Cialdini, yeah. It's, yeah. it's exactly that. So Yeah, like, again, interesting, so. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so sorry, I, I interrupted you. I want to hear your Gary pitch story. Uh, Gary, so for Gary, so- Number one, I never asked anyone I made content for around him to help me out ever. So that's one thing. But what I did was the very first time I got to ask him a question was in LA at this Vid Summit conference. I already talked to like the mic people and security guys. And I'm like, dude, when Q&A starts, remember my face, like bring me the mic because I know how it is. And I'd watched a ton of his content. And I see like the line form super quick. So I got to ask him a question. I was like, I met you a year ago. You told me this and it was a, you know, like a mini one-on-one kind of thing. And I was like, and since then I quit my job. I moved in with my in-laws. I did this, blah, 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 blah. I was like, you completely turned my life upside down for the better. And he's just like stopped. And he just goes, fuck. Because do you understand how good that is to hear? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, tell me, tell me more. And like, it was like this crazy interaction where in the back of my mind, I'm so enjoying the moment, but I'm like, I don't want to piss anyone off because I'm taking up all this time, right? So what I did was I told him, he goes, I never, ever talk about my charity. He goes, I never talk about my charity. He goes, because people are like, dude, you do all this stuff, but you don't donate. He goes, a charity is so important to me. He goes, but I don't talk about it because there's so many people who don't think it actually happens. So what did I do? I was ready for that moment, Marion, and I had already donated to his charity and I had a screenshot to prove it. And I already had kind of like, look, like I've literally listened to what you've been preaching and I've taken it and I'm demonstrating to everybody at the second act of my life is turning around for the better. And I have this amazing runway ahead of me. And I was like, so I was like, did this. And I was like, I wanted to give different type of value to you than normal people try and give. And I was like, if I can get 10 minutes with you in New York, he's like, let's do it. And then I went to New York and then now I've done it every year. It's ridiculous. I have him on in June. You know, what's great about that story, Rich, is you did both things. And it's such a good reminder for everybody. Number one, you used all the tactics that can even feel kind of gross, but are necessary to get yourself in front of him. And you got yourself in front of him. And then there was the genuineness, right? And so he didn't care and do the 10 minutes because you donated. He cared and did the 10 minutes because he was having a positive impact on your life and you were listening and it was legit and you were like taking his advice, learning from it, and he wanted to participate in that. But if you hadn't done all those other tactics, none of that genuineness would have mattered. And I think that's so important for people to realize that you have to put them both together. It's like the idea, if the subject line on your email doesn't get the open, doesn't matter how good your product is, they're never going to open the email and find out about it. Don't fall out of love with what authenticity can be and do for your life just because you hear it all the time. Everyone's authentic in their own different way. And whatever the path it is that you want to go, I'm telling you right now, it's going to linger if you don't actually put some action behind it and just see, just see what starts to happen when you go the route that you've been avoiding because it's not popular or because you have a great stable job or because you're afraid that you're going to sound like an idiot when you start a podcast. You have a message. People need to hear it. And if it's just one person, then literally like the gift is going to completely compound after that. 
And that's what I would say for my parting words. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more about Rich and what he's doing, check out his podcast, The Leadership Locker. In fact, if you dig around far enough, you might even find his interview with me. And if you have questions or you want to suggest a guest, find me at Mad Motion on most social media platforms. I'd love to hear what you think the best podcast pitch is. What's worked for you? If social media doesn't work for you, just go to madmotion.com slash grounded podcast. See you next time. Thank you.